I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, we mark the dawn of a new year. I'm Jeff Braun. Yes, that means it's time for the January Movie Preview. The year 2018 at the movie starts with a scary movie. Can you hear that dread, Jeff? It's Insidious, The Last Key, continuing a tradition of the year beginning with a scary movie. Much like the summer month of May always kicks off with a Marvel movie, the first weekend of January outside of New Year's has basically always included a scary movie dating back to the year 2005 when a Michael Keaton movie called White Noise made its debut on January 7th. As for Insidious, The Last Key, this is the fourth Insidious movie since 2011. People who need help with matters that can't be explained, come to me. These hauntings can be terrifying things. I should know. I've faced many evils in my life. This one is different, though. The haunted house. It's my family's house. In the last key, parapsychologist Elise Rainier, played by Lynn Shay, continues to fight evil. And as you heard, this time, it's personal. To end this evil, I need to go deeper into the further. The Further? Is that like an R-rated version of the Upside Down or something? Insidious The Last Key looks creepy, but one review I saw said, This is what a franchise looks like when it's run out of gas. Hard pass. <laughs> Moving on to the 12th, it's already out in a limited release, uh, but in wide release, Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks star in Steven Spielberg's The Post. So, can I ask you a hypothetical question? Oh dear, I don't like hypothetical questions. Well, I don't think you're going to like the real one either. Do you have the papers? Not yet. The papers they're talking about are the Pentagon Papers, leaked government files regarding the Vietnam War. This is a devastating security breach that was leaked out of the Pentagon. The most highly classified documents of the war. The Times has 7,000 pages detailing how the White House has been lying about the Vietnam War for 30 years. The way they lied, those days have to be over. The Post is said in the early 70s, so these leaked documents, they're actual documents, boxes with papers in them, not computer files. Tom Hanks plays Ben Bradley, the editor-in-chief of the Washington Post. The New York Times got the leaked papers, and he wants them too. His boss is Meryl Streep. She's the owner of The Post, Kay Graham, the first woman to be the publisher of a big-time newspaper. Kay, people are concerned about having a woman in charge of the paper, that she doesn't have the resolve to make the tough choices. Thank you, Arthur, for your frankness. Yeah, she's not too worried about that part of it. You should see the look she gives them there. But like everyone else, she is worried because they are playing with fire. 
You're talking about exposing years of government secrets. Is that legal? What is it you think we do here for a living, kid? Ben, I might have something. It must be precious cargo. It's just government secrets. If you publish, we'll be at the Supreme Court next week. Meaning? Well, we could all go to prison. The trailer doesn't look super thrilling, but I said the same about the last Spielberg-Hanks movie, Bridge of Spies, and that turned out to be pretty great. It's been getting generally positive reviews, the post at 87% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. A lot of critics are hailing the supporting cast, which includes Bob Odenkirk, Bradley Whitford, Sarah Paulson, Tracy Letts, Alison Brie, Matthew Reese, Carrie Coon, and Jesse Plemons, among others. Even if you don't recognize all those names, you will recognize all those faces. The post is nominated for six Golden Globes this weekend. If the government wins, the Washington Post will cease to exist. If we don't hold them accountable, who will? We can't hold them accountable if we don't have a newspaper. Nixon will muster the full power of the presidency, and if there's a way to destroy you, by God, he'll find it. I'm asking your advice, Bob, not your permission. She can't do this. The legacy of the company is at stake. What will happen if we don't publish? We will lose. The country will lose. What are you going to do, Mrs. Graham? Forgot about the Golden Globes. I guess I got to watch those. Yeah, have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also January 12th, a friendly bear makes his return to the big screen in Paddington 2. Mr. Gruber. Oh, what's this? (laughs) This is London. It's wonderful. Aunt Lucy always dreamed of coming to London. If she saw this, it would be like she were finally here. Aunt Lucy! Oh, Paddington. This is perfect. Paddington Bear, the one named after a train station. The one who wears a blue jacket and a red hat. The one from the kids' books that have sold more than 35 million copies worldwide. Yeah, that Paddington. The first Paddington movie debuted in 2015 to excellent reviews. The sequel follows Paddington as he tries to get a job so he can save up to buy this fancy antique pop-up book for his aunt's 100th birthday. That's where Hugh Grant's character comes in. It's Phoenix Buchanan. Dad's celebrity client. I suppose you know who I am. Oh yes, you're a very famous actor. VIP, celebrity. (laughs) Or used to be. Now you do dog food commercials. Grant plays Phoenix Buchanan, and he wants that pop-up book. But instead of working hard to get it, like Paddington is trying to do, he steals it. And Paddington gets pinned for it and goes to jail. I may look like a hardened criminal, but I'm innocent. We're going to need a foolproof plan. If anyone can recognize a criminal, it's us. He's a master of disguise. What? This is breaking an entry. I haven't broken anything. As mentioned, the first movie had excellent reviews, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. The sequel, at last check, 100%. It looks like amazing fun for the family, or for anyone, quite frankly. Where do you think you're going there? Paddington wouldn't hesitate if any of us needed help. He looks for the good in all of us. Mummy. 
seat. Up next, Taraji P. Henson's star continues to grow. Jeff Braun will explain that as the Couch Potatoes January movie preview continues. You are listening to the Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We're doing the January movie preview this week. We've on to uh, January 12th. We've already talked about The Post and Paddington. Now it's time for Taraji P. Henson starring in Proud Mary. You a cop? Not exactly. She's a hit woman, and if the trailer's any indication, she is very good at it. There's barely any dialogue in the trailer. Instead, they let the sound effects tell the story. Yeah, mostly she just goes around blowing people away, sort of like John Wick. I'm sure there is a story of some sort, probably a little more complex than the John Wick story as well. Proud Mary also stars Danny Glover and Neil McDonough. Who the hell are you? I'm Mary. Also on January 12th, Liam Neeson is back as The Commuter. Most of us ride this train every day. We nod, we say hello. But how much do we really know about each other? It's my first time on a commuter train. I'm sorry, have we met? No, I'm Joanna. Michael. Neeson plays an insurance salesman just trying to get home on his daily commute when he meets a mysterious stranger played by Vera Farmiga. What if I asked you to do something that could profoundly affect an individual on this train? I don't understand. It's just one little thing. Someone on this train does not belong. All you have to do is find them. Why would I do it? In the bathroom? There's $75,000. That money is yours if you do this one little thing. I thought this was hypothetical. You have until next stop to decide. What kind of person are you? He has been given a bizarre task. He must identify a hidden passenger before the last stop. And if he doesn't, there will be blood. The early reviews indicate it's silly and pulpy, but fun. You have no idea who you're up against. I'm done playing games. Now everyone dies. I'm not gonna let them hurt you. She's trying to set me up. We have a hostage situation. Take him out. Stop this train now. I asked you to do one little thing. On January 19th, Christian Bale plays a cowboy in Hostiles. I don't know how you've done all these years. Seeing all the things you've seen, doing all the things you've done. Makes you feel inhuman after a while. You have no idea what war does to a man. I hate him. I got a war bag of reasons to hate him. 
Bale isn't really a cowboy, I guess, but he plays a Civil War-era hotshot in the West. He's specifically charged with transporting a prisoner through hostile territory, where people will be gunning for him. It sounds exciting, but the trailer certainly does not make it look that way. You believe in the Lord, Joseph? Yes, I do. Long pause. That's Rosamund Pike, a pioneer woman he encounters along the way. The whole enterprise looks like a dismal affair. Not sure if it's just a bad trailer or what. There are good westerns that take themselves, you know, seriously. Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven being the most obvious example, but even that had a lot of funny parts. This doesn't look like it really will. This just looks long and slow and depressing. Understand this. When we lay our heads down out here, we're all prisoners. I think that, yeah, I think I <laughs> read saw one review that it's uh, the best western since uh, since Unforgiven. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, there you go. And Christian Bale's getting some Oscar chat. They need uh, a better trailer. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think uh, that. That should be uh, automatic slam dunk. Every movie trailer should be good. Yeah. In this day and age, trailers Absolutely. are so good. Okay. All right. Well, it wasn't the worst trailer I watched this week. On oh, January no. 19th, a movie we will all forget immediately comes out called Forever My Girl. I'm sorry about your grandma, Josie. Hey, Liam. Hey, Dad. What a punch you socked me with yesterday. That was just a warning shot. So this is where you work. I own it. I actually did something with my life after you walked out. Hey, Mama. Hi, sweetie. Hey, I know you. You're that country star my mama listens to. Not really my cup of tea. No offense. I'm taken. Billy. How old are you, Billy? I'm seven. This looks like a movie based on a Nicholas Sparks novel, but it's not. It's just pretending to be. It stars a bunch of no-names. The main dude is a, plays a famous country singer who goes back to his hometown and learns he has a daughter, tries to become a big happy family, yada, yada, yada. It'll all work out and there's no reason to see it. So you think you're ready to be a dad? She spent a couple weeks playing house. I'm not sure how long I'm going to be here for. What happened to you? Why'd you leave my mama? I was young. I got lost. But you found you'll be back now, right? Where's your car? Right here. Do you know the stats on surviving an accident in a convertible? They are low. Staggeringly low. Get in the convertible. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, it doesn't even end there. January 19th. This could be a historic weekend for bad movies, Brett. Gerard Butler kicks butt and takes name in something called Den of Thieves. At any one time, there's anywhere between 500 and 800 billion dollars in there. Every millimeter of it covered by cameras, sensors, and motion detectors. Stand across the street and stare at the building for two minutes. You have security on your ass. Only bank that's never been robbed. That's why we're going to rob it. A gang of robbers, led by Pablo Schreiber, a.k.a. Pornstash from Orange is the New Black, O'Shea Jackson Jr., son of Ice Cube and Ratman 50 Cent, are getting set to rob an unrobable bank, but Gerard Butler's looking to shut him down. Do you know what this means? It means I am a member of a gang, only we have badges, which means you are done. When I was nine, we look like the types who arrest you. No one for that seat down. Put you in handcuffs, drag you down to the station. You shoot it for if we walk in. We just shoot you. 
The hook here, Brad, is that Butler is a cop that doesn't play by the rules. Oh! It's a brand new novel idea that's never been betrayed on the big screen before. Exciting! I don't know why Butler's still making movies anyway. There's no way he could ever top last year's Geostorm. Nevertheless, Den of Thieves will come out in theaters on the 19th. You're not the bad guys. We are. Is that going to be your new pastime, going to see Gerard Butler Bad movies? Bad Gerard Butler movies? Uh, yeah, if, uh, until, you know, Vin Diesel makes another triple X movie, why not? You've never liked that guy, have you, Gerard Butler? No, never. <laughs> well, just, no, no hesitation. No, I, I, will like do, I will do a deep dive on his IMDb and see if there is anything redeeming in there. But I don't think that there is. <laughs> Okay. Up next, Chris Hemsworth is in a new film based on a true story. We'll give you those details. When the January movie preview continues, you are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. We are doing our January movie preview. And this next one on January 19th stars Chris Hemsworth. And to set up this film, I just I can't help but refer back to his first big movie from 2011, which was Thor. In that movie, he walks into a pet shop, and this happens. I need a horse! We don't have horses, just dogs, cats, birds. And give me one of those large enough to ride. Well, fast forward to 2018, and Chris Hemsworth is now in a movie where he gets to ride a horse. Jokes aside, though, this is a serious one. The movie is called 12 Strong, and is set in 2001. You taking me to school again? Uh-huh. And picking you up. Daddy. Two planes have crashed into the World Trade Center. What is that, a part of some drill? Ain't no drill. 19 men attacked our country. The 12 of you will be the first ones to fight back. Based on a true story set in the days after 9-11, a U.S. Special Forces team led by their captain, Mitch Nelson, played by Chris Hemsworth, is chosen to be the first team sent into Afghanistan for a dangerous mission. They have to convince the Northern Alliance to join forces with them in their battle against their common enemy, which is the Taliban and their allies in Al-Qaeda. In order to accomplish this mission, though, the Americans will need to step out of their comfort zone. Why? These men follow you. You take me to the Taliban, I'll show you. Okay. We take horses. Are you serious? All right, who's ridden before? Anyone? Cancun, spring break. That's pretty hammered. <laughs> hey, this will be fun. 12 Strong is based on the book Horse Soldiers by author Doug Stanton and co-stars Michael Shannon, Michael Pena, William Fichtner. Did I say that right? William I Fichtner? Always, I say Fichtner. Fichtner? Uh, but I've heard both. Okay. Let's just call him the cool guy who's in lots and lots of movies. Yep. And uh, weird Armageddon. Was, yeah, it was, that's the movie I was thinking of. All the movies he's done. And that's the movie I always he think of He had a first. gun on a space shuttle. It was ridiculous. <laughs> that's right. And then they had the uh, the machine gun, which yeah. is even better, with like uh, a Gatling-style yeah. gun. Ridiculous. And uh, weird to see him in a dramatic role in the supporting cast, Rob Riggle. 50,000. Okay, to apply to us. And you're just an army of 12. We've just been handed the most important mission in the free world. Hold on. Our boys are going to ride into battle on horseback? 
chances are we are not going to make it out of this one. If we quit now, what happened back home is going to happen again and again. Get out, get out. It's you got to make this decision. All right. Nothing I'd rather do. I'm in. Thought you'd never ask. Finally on January... Oh. You know why Riggle's in that? No. He was a real-life Marine that served in Afghanistan. Yes! Yeah, that's, that's right. Gotta be, that's got to be it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, of course. Man, that must co- it really hit home for him. Uh, yeah. Oh, man, I forgot about that. Thank you for pointing yep. that out. And finally, on January 26th, the conclusion of the teenage post-apocalyptic trilogy, which is in the vein of the Hunger Games and the Divergent series, it's Maze Runner, The Death Cure. <laughs> I can handle Thomas. He'll show up eventually. That's what I'm afraid of. They took you because you're immune to a plague that's wiping out the human race. They think you're worth sacrificing to find a cure. They'll never stop until we can stop them. Based on a series of books, the first Maze Runner film debuted in 2014 and made 100 million domestic and an additional 248 million overseas. It's about teenagers in a giant, diabolical maze. The second movie, The Scorch Trials, came out in 2015. Not quite as big a hit. It sees the teenagers out in the wasteland of what's left of the world. Now in the death cure, they're looking to close out the fight. The last city, Wicked's whole base of operations. It's the lion's den, hermano. That's where we're going. Three years we spent behind walls trying to break out. Now we're trying to break back in. All right, I get shotgun. heard in that clip the voice of Gus Fring, a.k.a. Giancarlo Esposito. I've not seen either of the first two Maze Runner movies. They look like fun, and so does this. The world is dying. If we find a cure, that's the only way all this was worth it. Do you regret it? What you did to us? I did what I thought was right. There's no guarantee we make it back from this. But we started this together. May as well end it that way, too. How many kids do they have to round up, torture, kill? When the hell does it stop? It stops when we find a cure. And thus concludes the January movie preview. A lot of stinkers in there, but a couple of decent ones. Yeah, nothing real great, I don't think. Yeah, the post, though, I'm looking forward to that. Paddington 2 looks like it'll be tons of fun for the family, but outside of that, yeah. I'll be irritated if the post wins a bunch of Golden Globes this weekend, uh, a week before most of us get a chance to see it in theaters. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't know why, that sort of thing just drives me nuts. (laughs) Yeah, because you can't root for it, No, exactly. Anyways, thus endeth the preview, now time for a review. I saw a movie this week or on the holidays that I've been eagerly anticipating for months. It is nominated for seven Golden Globes this weekend. It's called The Shape of Water. If I told you about her, the princess without voice, what would I say? It's from director Guillermo del Toro, who also made that horror movie Crimson Peak, which is too scary for me. He also made Pan's Labyrinth, which I can't believe I actually did see. I still have nightmares sometimes about that one. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Wow. That's some gross stuff in that movie. It, it, that are... guy shaving, and when he cuts himself, and then he sews himself up, and just, no. Okay. Not cool. He made uh, also made Hellboy and Pacific Rim, which are a little yeah. easier to watch. Um, Guillermo del Toro is great with special effects and monsters and stuff, but now he's made something a little more palatable for us scaredy cats. Well, 
At least that's what I thought. More on that in a moment. Sally Hawkins plays Eliza. She is a mute janitor at a U.S. government super-secret laboratory in the 1960s, and she discovers that they have a strange creature there. She deaf? Mute, sir. She can hear you. You clean that lab, you get out. This may very well be the most sensitive asset ever to be housed in this facility. You may think that thing looks human. Stands on two legs, right? But we're created in the Lord's image. You don't think that's what the Lord looks like, do you? This creature is intelligent, capable of language, of understanding emotions. The movie also stars Michael Shannon, Michael Stuhlbarg, Octavia Spencer, Richard Jenkins, and of course the creature, played by Doug Jones. It's like the creature from the Black Lagoon, basically a fish man. It lives in this green gook-filled water tank in the lab. Eliza and the creature make a connection. Here's Richard Jenkins translating her sign language. When he looks at me, he doesn't know how I am incomplete. He sees me as I am. Which, of course, makes it harder for her to deal with the fact that the government is abusing the fish man. You need to take it apart, learn how it works. I don't want an intricate, beautiful thing destroyed. We can do nothing. I'm sorry. Don't do this, Eliza. What is she saying? Don't do this. Oh, God, it's not even human. So Eliza hatches a plan to save her beloved fish man from the government, and the movie goes on from there. If I told you about her, what would I say? I wonder. Now, I was very excited about going to see this movie. The trailer was my favorite trailer in a very long time, so I may have set my expectations a little too high, but even still, the film mostly delivered. There are a lot of great things about the movie. Let's start with that. It looks gorgeous. Every shot is painstakingly crafted. The set design of the era is lavish and precise. Guillermo del Toro is of the Spielberg and Peter Jackson school of thought where they don't mind that it looks like a movie. In fact, the more blatantly cinematic, the better. The story is touching. It's nothing really new. It's very much a Beauty and the Beast type thing, but it is very well told so you know who cares that you can sort of call out the beats as it goes along it's just a solid story and there are some surprises the Michael Stuhlbarg uh, sort of B storyline is not something I was expecting it fits the period though the same goes for the Richard Jenkins storyline he is Eliza's neighbor a starving and aging artist with a lot of cats both get to see their stories dig a little deeper than you would expect, which just elevates the entire movie about what most others would have done with it. All the performances are top shelf. Sally Hawkins deserves award nominations. She communicates a lot without speaking at all throughout the whole movie. Uh, you know, but you still you feel where she's coming from every step of the way. A moving and often very funny performance. Michael Shannon is the bad guy who goes off his nut, and he is very good at that. Like Shannon, Stuhlbarg, Jenkins, Octavia Spencer, they are all their usual above par selves. It's just smart casting all the way around. The real surprise should not have come as a surprise given that it is a Guillermo del Toro movie and that it is gross, Brett. (laughs) People suffer injuries that look very painful and are hard to watch. Del Toro is all too happy to make us look at it. Uh, It's not enough, you know, for a character to get shot. They have to get shot in the face with a hole in each cheek that we have to stare at for two minutes. (laughs) There, There are worse, even more gross things, but They would actually be spoilers if I get into them, so I won't. Another surprise that wasn't gross, but I guess since he was, you know, staring at an R rating anyways, he just went for it. There's full frontal nudity and a lot of cussing. I mean, it's a fairy tale, so you don't really expect it. We get to, you know, even watch someone fail to be master of their domain. I don't want to sound like a prude... (laughs) 
but it was weird. It was on point thematically, and it was germane to the story, but again, you know, because it's the fairy tale notion of all this, it was a bit of a jolt. So while the trailer, you know, makes it look like a pretty gentle movie, it is definitely a grown-up affair. If you get queasy by dismembered body parts, it might be too much for you. In that regard, it was a little too much for me, but in every other way, it was pretty wonderful. So I'll give The Shape of Water four couch cushions out of five. <laughs> Well done, Jeff Braun. Very well put. I look forward to seeing it. And up next, we will. We got a couple of things we need to run down, including some big news this week on Game of Thrones. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. Bill, if you will come with me, we'll float too. George. I saw something. A clown. Yeah, I saw him too. Gary, Jeff Ron, we are the Couch Potatoes looking at what is out on home video this upcoming Tuesday. What's that, Jeff? That's it. We got it on Blu-ray. You can have it. I don't want it. <laughs> Warner Brothers was kind <laughs> enough to send that to us, so we'll uh, see if I can have a look at that in the oh next week gosh. or so. Uh, also on Blu-ray, The Foreigner. That's that Jackie Chan movie. Actually looked pretty cool. Yep. And on digital HD, Jigsaw. What's that, number eight or nine in the Saw series? I think it was the eighth one, I yeah. Know. It Blu-ray was a again. bit of a failure. I don't know why they decided to go back to that one. Money. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Game of Thrones. The wheel of war is between the living and the dead. And make no mistake. The dead are coming. Finally confirmed. We already told you about this when Sansa Stark, a.k.a. actress Sophie Turner. Is that her so, name? It's, yeah, but it's the other way around. What's She's that? really Sophie Turner, a.k.a. Sansa Stark. <laughs> nope, that, yeah, I know. Uh, I like the line it. is blurring too much for you, Brett. My God. <laughs> Yeah, um, she said that it was the show was not going to debut until 2019. Right. Ever since the end of season seven, that was the the rumor, that was the scuttlebutt that Game of Thrones would not be back until 2019. Much like Westworld took a year off, it ended in December 20 or like the fall of 2016, right. and took 20 and wasn't around for 2017. Filming or HBO finally confirmed it's not coming back until next year. Filming is expected to go until this summer. So even though it's only six episodes. The guys, uh, the creators say, look, we want to do the best show that we can do. Right. We're going to take all the time that we need. There's going to be tons of visual effects. Some episodes will be a bit longer, I think 70, 80 minutes. So, yeah, uh, 2019 in general, by the way. I was thinking about this the other day. It's going to be a big year, a huge year for pop culture stuff, for things coming to an end. Game of Thrones coming to an end. Episode 9 of Star Wars, so the new trilogy coming to an end. And then uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe essentially will kind of make pave the way for a brand new for right. phase four yeah. and like a new wave of heroes so the the mcu as we know it will change uh so that's game of thrones mentioned star wars what you saw the last jedi What'd i finally think? saw the last. i thought it was great i loved the luke skywalker arc from beginning to end and how it sort of buttons uh, for him in general from the original series all the lightsaber stuff was terrific i can't i won't even mention who was fighting who for spoilers sake yeah i love the humor i love the twist maybe i'm biased because Gotta say, I really do like it when uh, hardcore Star Wars fans who take these movies far too seriously actually get upset. 
<laughs> okay. But everything they were purportedly upset about were my favorite things, especially as it pertains to Snoke and a movie filled with, you know, Spaceball-type laughs. I thought the Snoke thing was the best joke. Um, and there were some real good Spaceball-type laughs in there. I really enjoyed that. So I'm curious to see how it all plays out in the next one, including uh, one glaring casting problem, four couch cushions out of five for The Last Jedi. How about yeah, that? I saw it. I've now seen it twice, and I enjoyed it more second time. Uh, the second time out. Because the, the first time you see it, it's just so much to take in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially from an emotional standpoint, it was just a lot to absorb. So once I took time to, to let it sink in and then go back and watch it again, I really did enjoy it. Got about 90 seconds left here. Just want to quickly mention that uh, on from Fox TV, New Girls' final season, the seventh and final season, will debut on April 10th. It's only an eight-episode season, so it's going to wrap up Ooh. on May 15th. Eight episodes? A, yeah. Uh, so basically it's over already. Yeah, so it's uh, got a one-hour finale, so a whole bunch of uh, notable guest stars will be featured, including Damon Wayans Jr., as well as Dermot Mulroney, which leads into oh, yeah. our final story. I started watching a new show on Fox this week called L.A. to Vegas, and it features Dylan McDermott as uh, this kind of sleazy, scuzzy pilot named Captain Dave. So is that not the same guy? He's, uh, what's that? Is that not saying that? Well, that's the big joke, and <laughs> Dylan McDermott and Dermot Mulrooney are going to appear on this show as Captain Dave and, Ca- and a rival captain, Captain Steve. Dave and Steve, that's pretty good. Yeah, so I guess it's <laughs> been, uh, I mean, I always get their names mixed up. Yeah. Saturday Night Live famously uh, did a skit where they mocked the confusion <laughs> back in 2012. So they finally appear on screen together, and uh, they get on just fine, apparently, so... Yeah, but L.A. to Vegas was actually, he was easily the best part. The show was whatever, but he was cool, hilarious. It was nice to see him in a comedy. He was so much fun. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. (laughs) 